all the emotion that they went through on, on that morning, that first resurrection day. Tonight we come to that same day, but we come to it in the evening. And uh, what I find is that a lot of the, the elements that were there in the morning were elements that were still there in the evening. I think you'll see this tonight, and I wanted to point out a few things to you because after Jesus died, and of course he was placed in the borrowed tomb, the disciples we mentioned this morning, they were, they were together behind closed doors, and they were facing a lot of different emotions, a lot of challenges. Notice first of all tonight, the phobia that it says in verse number 19, the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. See, fear in our lives can be paralyzing. Fear can grip us. It can be that way for a child, but it also can be that way for an adult. Fear hinders progress. Fear sometimes robs us of joy and even potential in our lives. I was reading about two explorers. They were on a jungle safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumped out in front of them. The first explorer whispered, keep calm. Remember what we read in that book on wild animals. If you stand perfectly still and you look the lion in the eye, he will turn and run. His companion said, sure. He said, okay. He says, you've read the book, I've read the book, but has the lion read the book? Sometimes you think about what they were going through that evening, really that entire day, and fear played a factor in that. The Bible says in Psalm 56, 11, in God have I put my trust, I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. God hasn't given us, folks, the spirit of fear. The Bible says that he's given us power and love and a sound mind. Look, I, I understand, I, I myself have experienced the fact that the Christian life at times can be challenging. It's not easy at times. We can experience a wide variety and range of emotions, but in the midst of all that turmoil, we still can have joy. Why? Because of Jesus. See, there was a phobia that was there, much like in the morning. They had their fears in the morning and still in the evening for fear of the Jews. But notice, along with the phobia came the peace. In verse 19 again, it says they were assembled for fear of the Jews, and while they were assembled, came Jesus. And he stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Listen, who was saying this? The Prince of Peace. Jesus can give us peace. And he says to them, Peace be unto you. Luke's Gospel records that Jesus stood in the midst of them, same words, he said, peace be unto you. Somebody put it this way, they said, peace is the absence of fear found in the presence of God. See, when God is there, when the presence of God is, is real in our lives, just like the psalmist said in Psalm 23, he restoreth my soul. God gives us peace. John wrote in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. See, yes, there was the fear that was there, 
But listen, because of the peace, it made everything better. I want you to notice thirdly that I see beyond that phobia, beyond the peace, I see the presentation in verse number 20, where the Bible says, when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. I mean, Jesus, look, if he was God, he could have easily healed those scars before he came back to them. He could have come back with saying, look, there's nothing there. There's nothing for you to see. He could have done that, but instead he chose to keep those scars. Luke wrote in Luke 24, 39, where Jesus said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. He displayed those marks. Why? Because the marks proved that his work was finished. That Jesus came and did exactly what he said he would do. He showed them what was the price of salvation. That he gave his life for them and he gave his life for us. Those scars were there as, as we think about Jesus being raised from the dead. Listen, just because he was raised from the dead doesn't erase the fact of what he went through for us. And I see the presentation. But then notice, fourthly tonight, I see the pleasure. Because if you go back to verse number 20, after he showed them his hands and his side, notice the words, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad. I mean, it's as though the wound somehow opened up joy in their hearts. Somebody said, no wounds, no joy. You see, we don't like to think of it because of, of what Jesus had to go through. But listen to what John, John 16, 22, this was long before Jesus was crucified. Listen to what he said. Ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And he says here, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. You know, listen, as, as a Christian, I know that life can be challenging. And folks, listen, you should not allow anything or anyone to rob you of your joy. The joy that only God can give to us. When Jesus showed his wounds, it meant that they could remember the pain and all that Jesus experienced in those last few days and the fear and the, the tears of remorse and the, the terrible hours that they stood there and they watched him die. Their, their emotions, their emptiness, their loneliness, all that their hope was gone. But listen, it was all there in those wounds, in his hands and, the, and his side. They could see, they could remember, and now they could rejoice. Listen to what Isaiah said. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. Listen, without those, we could not be healed. See, he says, with those stripes, Isaiah says. And that's why there was the pleasure, because the Bible says, then were they glad when he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. But beyond the pleasure, I, know, I want you to see that as Jesus here, before he ascends to the Father, notice fifthly, the project, the project, because it says in verse number 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. 
do you get what Jesus is saying? He says, look, I've got something for you to do. I'm about to leave, but before I go, I have something that I want you to do. John 17, 18, thou, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. When Jesus was on this earth, the Bible records in Luke 19, 13, he calls uh, unto him his 10 servants and he delivered unto them 10 pounds and he said unto them, occupy till I come. That word occupy is an interesting word. Here's what it means. To invest with the intent of increase. What are you investing your life in today? What are you pouring your heart in? What's your passion today? The songwriter wrote, we'll work till Jesus comes. That's what, that's what the Bible's talking about is occupying, stay busy for the Lord. As long as God leaves us here, God has a plan for us, and that plan is, is that he would use us for his honor and for his glory. That just like today, five, six, or maybe more folks raised their hand and said, I have put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that wouldn't happen if we wouldn't be occupying until the Lord comes. Can I tell you, as great as today was, guess what? There's still people that need the Lord. See, there's a project. We call it the commission. God wants us as a church to keep reaching out to those that are still lost in their sin. See, I see the project, but then notice lastly tonight, the power. Look at verse 22. See, Jesus would not give us something to do without enabling us or giving us the ability to do what he's asked us to do. Listen, this is not my work. This is God's work. And if it's God's work, guess what? God's going to make a way for his work to be done. See, listen, a lot of times you find in churches that, that churches and pastors and people are trying to do things their way. God says, listen, I've given you my work, and I'm going to give you the power to do it. That's the wonderful thing here. And I want you to see this in verse 22. And when he had thus uh, said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost, the power of his spirit. The Bible says it is God which worketh in you both to do, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now Luke 9, 1 records Jesus calls his 12 disciples together. And look, even back then, before Jesus was crucified, the Bible says he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. I mean, listen, that power that he gave them was the very same power that we see in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, where Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says these words, Go ye therefore. He's sending us forth, just like he was sending. Look, fear had gripped their hearts. But listen, Jesus said, Look, wait in Jerusalem. But eventually the gospel would go forward from Jerusalem after Jesus had given them the commission. The work that he began, they would continue. You know what we're a part of today? The same work. We're doing the same exact thing. A.W. Tozer said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. See, we need to do the things God's given us to do. Resurrection Sunday will leave you. I, I know a lot of times I asked some folks when we came in tonight, 
hey, did you have a good afternoon? Did you have a good meal? And a lot of people said, yeah, I had a great meal and I took a good nap. You know, is anybody tired? You know, Sundays will wear you out. But big days like today definitely will exhaust you. It'll leave you exhausted, your mind kind of spinning. But can I tell you, there is much for us to rejoice in still because there's not much for us to do still. There's still much that God wants. And so let me give you quickly a couple truths because what does a day like today do? It clarifies some things. See, we have responsibilities. Think about the disciples. Jesus had been crucified. He's about to go back to be with the Father, and he was leaving his work, God's work, in their hands. And we, who are the church today, we have the same responsibility that they did back then. So look at what our responsibilities are beyond the tomb. Notice, first of all, the tomb is empty, so what's our responsibility? To rejoice in our Savior. Again, the Bible says he's not here, he is risen. We need to take the time to rejoice in the fact that he is a risen Savior and that we can serve him and we can worship him. We can thank him on a daily basis for his sacrifice. Maybe for some it might be this matter of, of committing or recommitting your life to him. See, with the tomb is empty, we should rejoice in our Savior. Here's the second responsibility. Notice Jesus is still alive. We need to rest in his power. Mark 16, 4, when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Jesus came and spake unto them, again, all power is given unto, unto me in heaven and in earth. Look, physically and humanly, we might be tired, but can I tell you tonight, God isn't. God is all-powerful. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can think or ask. And look, Christ's resurrection, it was proof that God could do anything and that God is not dependent on us to do it. See, God's going to do what he wants to do because he is God. And so one of our responsibilities is to rejoice in our Savior. The second one is because he is still alive, we need to rest in his power. Our third responsibility is Christ's promises are still true. And so as, as a result of that, we need to find one and hold on to it. Just find some promises of God and say, you know what, I'm going to cling to this promise. I'm going to hold on to this promise. Luke 24, 6, he is not here, he is risen. Listen, remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. There was a lot of things Jesus said while he was on this earth promises that he made and God's never look not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground God has kept his promise he's kept his word and what we need to do is to realize that his promises even in this day in 2019 his promises are still good and we need to hold on to those promises one of the reasons that the disciples were crushed by the crucifixion of Jesus was, was because they didn't understand and they didn't hold on to the promises that he had already given them about his resurrection. What hope oftentimes we miss when we neglect the promises of God. One of our responsibilities is cling to God's promises. But notice another responsibility is that God still uses fishermen and so we need to follow him. Now I know you're sitting there going, well, I'm not a fisherman. Well, remember what Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
See, God still wants to use us. Simple, ordinary people that have the Spirit of God, that has the power of God. And when Jesus called Peter on the shores of Galilee and the others, his simple call to them was, follow me. Even after Peter denied the Lord. And certainly, that was a very troubling time in his heart. And they had abandoned this matter of, of, of following after the Lord. Jesus' call to Peter was still the same clear call, follow me. With these two words are the heart of our calling as disciples of Christ. Listen, we are to remember these words and our lives should be centered around those two words that we should spend the rest of our lives following the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 4, 19. He saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, God still wants to use us and so what do we need to do? follow him. That's our responsibility. Beyond the tomb. And then the last one, and this is one we saw this morning, guess what? The gospel still saves. And notice because of that, what do we need to do? Well, our responsibility is we need to keep sharing it. We need to keep telling people about the love of God. In the book of Acts chapter number two, listen to what the Bible records there. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Folks, when the truth is given out, you know, those folks this morning, I, I didn't beg and plead and pull with them. I, I just, I asked some simple questions. Listen, the Holy Spirit was working in hearts this morning. And they didn't say those words out loud, but really that's what they were saying, just like I did years ago. What shall I do when I hear the truth? They were confronted with the truth that God loves them, that they're a sinner, and that Christ died for their sins. I read something kind of amazing, and I wanted to bring this to your attention tonight. Somebody said the largest number of salvations recorded in Scripture took place in the weeks following the resurrection. I want you to think about that. Because oftentimes, if you think about the resurrection, it revolved around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. If there's one time, and I think you'll know this to be true, that people's hearts are the most tender, it's when there's been a death in the family. Because people begin to think about life, the brevity of life. And the same thing happened when Jesus was crucified and he was placed in that tomb. And if you study the Bible, what you find is, is that there was a large number of people that were saved following the resurrection. The Holy Spirit uses the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, while though that is still fresh on people's hearts, to convict them of their need for salvation. Can I tell you tonight, or really just encourage you, listen, if you invited somebody to come today to the service, to Easter Sunday, if you're like me, chances are you're probably disappointed they didn't show up. I can't tell you over the years how many people I've invited to church and they didn't come. But see, look, God's given us an opportunity that even though they didn't show up. Can I tell you, you still need to be 
witnessing to them, still talking to them, still invite them. Look, just because they didn't come this Sunday, guess what? There's another Sunday coming in another, another six days. Invite them to come. Don't stop witnessing just because Easter Sunday is past. Listen, we need to continue to try to reach people. Why? Because we have the hope that the Lord's given to us because of the resurrection. I hope you understand tonight as Christians that we, just like the apostles in that day, we have a responsibility. And we need to understand what our responsibilities are. A bright young girl, she was 15 years old. She was uh, suddenly cast upon a bed of suffering. She completely suffered from paralysis on one side of her body. And along with that, it, there was something that caused some near blindness in her, in her eyes. And she heard the family doctor talking to her parents. And this is what she heard the doctor say to her parents. She has seen her best days. He referred to her as a poor child. He was being pitiful towards her. And the 15-year-old girl heard what the doctor said, that she had seen her best days. And she turned in the direction she heard the voices, and she said to the doctor, she says, no, I haven't. She said, my best days are yet to come when I shall see the king in his beauty. Folks, that's our hope, that Christ rose from the dead. Why? He died so that we might live. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Aren't you glad we serve a risen Savior? Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you so much for giving your life so that we can have eternal life someday. We look forward to that. What a great day that will be when our Jesus we shall see. But Lord, until that day, help our hearts to go on singing. Help us to realize that we have a responsibility to you and to this lost world that we live in. Lord, I, I am so thankful and grateful for the tremendous crowd that was here this morning. And as exciting as that is, Lord, we cannot live in the past. We have to realize that there are still others out there. And I pray that you'd help each one of us to realize our God-given responsibility to reach them before it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray tonight, as we think about this Easter evening, and all the emotions that they went through, that, God, you would help us to get past, Lord, some of the suffering and some of the trials that we go through, and to realize, God, that you've given us hope and a purpose in life. Thank you again for dying for our sins. Help us to live every day as if every day for us is Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.